so glad to be able to, to hear from uh, them. Again, I know many of you may not know them, but to, to see uh, how they have grown to be out there, to be doing such great work. You know, it's a blessing for us as a church uh, when missionaries come to be able to, to share and be here and worship with us. Um, I mean, these are heroes of the faith that are out there, uh, and uh, they're doing a, a good work. We also get a reminder, we took the offering a little bit ago. Um, we're reminded that uh, 11% of everything that we give uh, goes to support uh, missionaries that are out there, outside of discovery. It doesn't go to you know, support what we do in here. It's, it's to advance the gospel out there. And if you give, you are part of that story. You have uh, a part that God is using you uh, to be part of there. So that's something we get to uh, enjoy, to celebrate, um, and to continue to ask how we can be a part of. Um, but I'm also glad that they, they shared a little bit of that, that wrecking story. Because sometimes it may be, hey, we take these steps forward and uh, it's, it's great. Maybe parts of our walk come easy getting out there, but there are those days. Uh, there are those days where we wonder, why are we here? Why are we doing this? This is not easy. There, it doesn't seem like there, there's joy. It doesn't seem like I'm finding peace and, and everything is grinding on us. Um, and sometimes, you know, the, the wrecking uh, in our lives, it's external circumstances, it's health, it's accidents, it's, it's difficult circumstances we're going to, but very often it is a, an inner wrecking, a work that God is doing in our hearts where he is uh, stripping away our dependence on self, where he's stripping away uh, the things that we turn to so that we would depend more and more on him. Now, for many of us, it may actually be that wrecking that we are, are kind of fearful of because, uh, you see, we have uh, plans, we have dreams, we have thoughts, and somewhere we hear Jesus' words that he said to his disciples in, in Luke chapter 9. At some point, if you're following Jesus, you'll hear these words where Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Now, very often we get excited about, I want to follow Jesus. I want the life he has for us. But there, there are a couple things that convert. It's denying self. It is taking up our cross, sacrifice daily for the sake. Because he said, if you want to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will save it. Now, and sometimes I think that is the fact that we often fear in our journey with Christ. We want to follow him. We get excited about that. But then we think that this may actually come with a cost. And we may think like, I have plans. I want to do this in my life. I've invested in doing this in my life. I've set out to have this marriage, this family, this white picket fence. And somewhere deep down, we start realizing that if I follow Jesus, he may Ask me to go somewhere I don't want to go or to do something that I don't want to do because he's leading us in a journey that is stripping away what we want for what God wants, where he takes our best plan and he wants to give us God's better plan because that's the end. Yes, this journey is not always easy. So when we ask, why go through this? It's because God has a better plan for your life than anything that you can put together. And so we follow after him. And that's what we want to talk about today. Today's lesson is this, that when our fears get real, so does our faith. 
Because there are fears that we have. What might Jesus ask us to do? Where may, might he ask us to go? And those things produce some level of fear in us. I don't know that I want to do that. But that is where our faith in God's better plan comes into play for us. We've been in our Rex series. We're looking at the story of a missionary named Paul who uh, literally went through a wrecking, a shipwreck on his journey to fulfill the calling God had put on his life. But the only reason he was able to go through that kind of external shipwreck and the reason that we find much hope in the way he acted was first he had gone through the inner wrecking where he had had to surrender all of his plans, all of his dreams, all of his ideas, all the things that he knew to be transformed in his mind and in his heart so that his life could be transformed and he could experience what God had for him. So when we look at Paul and we see him standing up in the middle of the storm, when the wind and waves are there and he stands up and he has focus and he has direction and he has peace in the midst of the storm, it's only because first he has been through an inner wrecking. And now he can face what's going on around him. You can read along with us this morning in Acts chapter 27. Uh, if you need a Bible, I want you to have a Bible. Um, and so you can put up your hand. One of our servants will bring you one of these Bibles. You'll find Acts 27 in the New Testament on page 546. You can also open up that app and find the Bible there on your device as well. There's a place to take notes in there. Um, if you got one of these uh, pages, you can take notes on there as well. If you just say, hey, I just want to sit here and look at you, uh, that's fine too. I don't really care if you take notes or not. But what I do care about is that if God wants to speak to you today, that we are listening. Because as I've been through these messages, God has been doing a wrecking work in me week after week. And I just see it as my uh, responsibility to share some of that wrecking with you. That you can walk that journey and see what God wants to do in your life as well. We'll read a few verses here and then uh, we'll talk some more about it. Verse 27 says, When the 14th night had come, as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they took a sounding and found 20 fathoms. A little further, and they took a sounding again, and they found 15 fathoms. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape the ship and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and they let it go. God, we invite you to work in us this morning that you would do whatever it is that you have for each person here. If we need encouragement, you would encourage us. If we need challenge, would you challenge us? Convict us to do the work that you want, God, because we want your plan, not our plans. In Jesus' name, amen. It had been 14 nights since leaving the port of Fair Havens. They had left hoping for another good port. 14 nights, as we have talked about in this storm, 14 nights where they were beat by the wind and the waves, where they were driven across the open sea, where they tried as much as they can to, to get things in order. They were throwing over tackle overboard. They were jettisoning all their cargo. And they were doing whatever they could to try to make it happen. And finally, they knew in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the waves, that all hope was lost. 
And so last week we looked at how in the midst of that hopeless spot, Paul, a prisoner on that ship, stood up among them and he says, take heart. Take heart in the plan that God has for us because an angel of the Lord, the word of the Lord came to me and said, you're going to make it through. You have a calling and a purpose and not one of these men will be lost. And so Paul stood among them and said, take heart. God's given us a word. We're, we're going we're gonna to make it. But then he added in verse 26, but we need to run aground on some island. Um, now, I don't know all of what the plan was, but I know that when you're planning on sailing, running aground on one of the islands is not uh, a part of the plan. And God didn't even give them super clarity in this plan. He just says, you're going to run aground on some island. What island is that going to be? Next week, we'll talk more about the island that they found themselves on and how God had a purpose even in that. But don't miss what God has said to his people on the ship. He says, I, I have a plan, and I'm going to lead you through. Even though there's going to be some things that don't look like you want it to look like, or you're going to have to go where you don't want to go. I have a plan for you, and I will see you through. And last week, if you need a message of hope in your life right now, you need to look at last week. You can listen to it online because uh, we need hope in the midst of the storm. We are beaten. We are battered. But here is the word of hope for you that you can take heart, not in your circumstances, but in a God who promises to see us through. And though we may be on this shipwreck of an earthly life, we have eternity to look forward to. And the momentary sufferings that we endure on this earth cannot compare to the glory that he has for us who continue to follow after him. And so we take hope not in our experiences, but in the God who leads us through. Now, sometimes that, that can be an encouraging word. We come on Sunday morning and maybe we get that encouragement. We hear, yeah, like, yes, we can leave here and we can take heart and we're encouraged. And we go from a Sunday message to the reality of Monday morning. Or we go to the picture of Jesus who is hope and eternity, but then we realize that our reality, that things are tough in our life. And so we need to go through it and we need to trust God through that. Because it may sound good when it's theoretically out there that we talk about hope, that we talk about joy, that we talk about peace. But when we live in the midst of that storm, it's tough, right? It is tough out there. And so we start coming up with some of our, our fears that hold us back from our faith because we have some fears that following Jesus, maybe it won't be easy. Maybe I'll still be lonely. Maybe He'll ask me to go to East Asia. And so we kind of hold on to some of our own plans. About midnight, it says, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. They take a sounding and it is 20 fathoms. Fathom is six feet, so it means 120 feet. Okay, maybe it doesn't seem super urgent, but then they go a little further. It's 15 fathoms. It's getting more shallow, and they're suspecting we are getting near. They're hearing the breakers that are, that are beating in the distance, and they realize that they may actually run aground. And they may have heard God's plan, but right about this time, they're not liking God's plan. 
We don't want to go that way. We want to stay in the, the deeper waters. We don't want to run aground. Say, we hear God has a plan, but I don't like that plan. Now, what we need to understand is this, that faith is trusting God's plan even when we do not like God's plan. Faith is trusting in what God has told us even when it doesn't make sense, even when it doesn't fit, even when we don't really like it, when it's hard and we don't necessarily understand, when we have questions. And we can come and we can ask some of those questions. We can be honest. God invites us to come just as we are. But in our honesty before God and in our questionings, we must be careful not to begin to put ourselves in the place of God. Because what we often do in the midst of our questioning is think that we have a better plan. That God, why would you do this? Why don't you, you do it this way? Now, there's all different parts of God's plan that we may not like, but God has given us his plan in his word. And I know oftentimes we have questions about whether this is God's word and how we can uh, live through it, but when we realize that God's plan is good for our lives is when we actually take those steps of faith, putting into practice what he has given us to do. God has, in his grace, shown us direction and guidance for how we can live this life, how we can follow him. Some of the things that he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, God, I like to love myself a lot more than the guy sitting next to me or living next to me. And so we don't necessarily like his plan. He says, pray for your leaders. And in the midst of maybe an election scenario like we're looking at today, it is much more like our plan to want to go out and, you know, post on Facebook or bash this person or that. You know what God has told us? That regardless of who is elected, that we are to pray for our leaders. Not whether we like them or not, but he's called us to pray. Now, we may not like that plan, but God has told us to trust him. He tells us to flee sexual immorality, that, that sex is designed in the context of marriage. But you know what? I don't want to wait. I don't like that idea. And so I'll go my own way and see how it turns out. We don't like what God has told us about the design for marriage, and so we choose different ways. We don't like that God has said that the husband is to be the spiritual leader in the house, and so we don't take that very seriously, and we avoid what God has said. God says it's more blessed to give than to receive, but we like receiving an awful lot. Our culture does not like that God has said that Jesus is the only way to salvation. But faith is trusting God's plan, even if we don't like God's plan. Knowing, knowing that God has a better purpose through it all, even in the midst of our questions, even in the midst of our wonderings. Faith is trusting that God has a better way. I think in my life, one of the, uh, early on in my walk with Christ, one of the kind of points that I really struggled was with baptism. I grew up in a Lutheran church, which means I was baptized as a baby. It was a decision that my parents made. Uh, and when I first came to California 16 years ago, I found myself in a church where um, they basically told me that I was not a Christian because I had not been baptized uh, as an adult. And, you know, my first reaction to that was, oh, what are you talking about? You guys uh, are completely off base. And uh, theologically, there were some things off there. But I just turned and said, I don't want any of that. 
A few years later, I came to this church discovery, not as the pastor, of course, but as just somebody here who I was invited to ask some questions about that, to actually turn to Scripture, to allow Scriptures to guide me. And as I spent probably a year of studying this topic, of just looking and saying, okay, Jesus said that we are to be baptized. What is it that we see in the New Testament? What does it look like? And in the end, I came to the conviction through being washed by the scriptures, through being ground down, through lots of prayer and saying, ultimately, God, you are my authority. Tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it. And I didn't have any kind of lightning strikes type kind of uh, things, but, but God led me to be, to be baptized. And so I was here in this church in Discovery, baptized uh, by immersion as a believer, decision that I made myself. And you want to know what? Again, there were no like fireworks that went off, no angels singing that I could see anyway. But I can look back to that point to say that was a step of obedience. That ultimately, the only reason that I did it was because Jesus said that part of our discipleship is to baptize and be baptized. And when I surrendered that, I just saw lots of areas of my life just open up where I was able to, to, to surrender more and more. When you think about it, baptism, if you haven't seen him before, we're going to have one on November 20th. You'll get to see him then or maybe even be baptized but it's a pretty simple act. It's a, it's a dunk in water. You know, on the surface, that's what, it, that's what it looks like. But there's something deeper in our hearts that comes down to the question, will we follow Jesus, even when it doesn't resonate with our minds and in our hearts? And will we surrender to the path that he has for our life? Now, God wants to lead us into lots of new areas in our life constantly. It's all part of the journey. It doesn't matter if you've been following for two months or, or for 20 years or 50 years. God is constantly building our faith. And, and as we go, we surrender areas of our lives that we can receive from him. Now, he is so gracious with us that he doesn't say, why are you questioning and just leave us out to dry? He wants to lead us and guide us through this process. He, he loves us. He's a loving father who will teach us his ways and guide us and help us if we will ultimately surrender ourselves for the life that he has for us. And look at verse 29. Fearing that we might run on the rocks, it says that the sailors let down four anchors from the stern, and they prayed for day to come. Now, most of us probably know that anchors are, are used to hold a boat in, in place, you know, dropped into the sand and, and kind of hold on there so it doesn't run aground. But skilled sailors actually use anchors for uh, another reason. They can actually use them out at sea to, to turn the ship in the midst of storm by the way that they drop the anchors and use them with skill. You see, because there is a right way to go on the rocks and there's a wrong way to go on the rocks. And when they hear that they are going to be going aground, well, they want to keep the ship in the right direction to be able to kind of weather that. And they had anchors on board to be able to be used to steady the ship in the midst of the storm and keep moving. You see, their faith in God wasn't just, well, I'll just wait for God to, to do something. No, they, they still used what God had given them, the anchors on board there. And we too have anchors that we hold and proper use of our anchors keep us steady in the midst of uncertainty. When we go through these stormy seas, are we using our anchors to, to go through 
the storm in the way that God would have us to keep our eyes fixed on him. Now, what are some of our anchors? Well, they are the word of God. We wonder in this world, is there any sort of truth out there? And the answer is yes, God has given us his truth. And so as we get in his word, it is a constant reminder in the midst of all the lies and all the, the doubts and the things that we get bashed with each day. It is God's word, his voice that comes to us and speaks truth in the midst of the storm. Don't just listen to the lies that are out there or the lies of the enemy that wants to keep you unsteady and unstable. No, hold fast to the anchor of the word. We have prayer that we can come to our heavenly father that we can reach up to him like a kid reaches to his dad and say, I, I'm struggling. We can talk. We can listen. That is the gift of prayer through Jesus Christ. We have the gift of community, one another, that he brings us together. We're told that we are to encourage one another daily, daily, as often as it is today. Why? Because the days are evil, and the days will make you lose focus. You drop your anchor of community. I'll be quite frank and honest with you. Without somebody that I could call, that I could literally pick up the phone, I would have quit a long time ago. I would have walked away a long time ago. But there are a couple people on my phone that I know that I can just call, and they say, call any time of night. It doesn't surprise me that so many people walk away. They walk away from their marriage. They walk away from parenting. They walk away from church. They walk away from faith. Because we don't have the anchor of community in our lives that God has given us to use. And if you're sitting here today and you say, I don't have somebody that I could call. It doesn't happen overnight. That wasn't my journey either. It was hard. It was difficult. But through perseverance and continuing to realize that we need to drop this anchor. There's another anchor, the Holy Spirit that God has given us. His very spirit in our hearts that comes to comfort us when we are hurting. That comes to counsel us when we are lost. That comes to give us a peace that surpasses understanding. And finally, there's the anchor of the gospel. Now, most of us know that the gospel is a way that we get into heaven, that, that it's a key to salvation. But the, the gospel is the, the power that continues this wrecking work day after day when we realize that God has such a good plan for our lives, that God has so loved the world, that he so loved you, that he saw all of your sin, all of your brokenness. And even in the midst of that, he sent his son to die on the cross, to take that, to bring you back home. And it is in that truth that when we hear those lies, when we hear those doubts, when we're lost in sin and temptation again, that we remember the anchor of the gospel that reminds us that if God sent his son for us, he will see us through and he will guide us through. When I was um, in high school, actually, or in college, I, I sailed around the Caribbean for about two months and we were part of sailing the ship, and I remember being on board there and, and going the, the first, uh, first night, my, we were on watch. And the, the first mate, she kind of took us up to the anchor. It was a big ship, 130-foot schooner, which is a large ship. Um, and uh, she said, one of the things we need to check on is the anchor. Because you see shore, it's about uh, 100 yards that way. And if the anchor pulls, we'll end up on the rocks. And so kind of just casually, the first mate, one of the things she said that we do is we just kind of put our hand on here and check the anchor. And it went boom, boom, boom. And she said, right now, the anchor is pulling. 
And so we had to go through the work. We had to pull up the anchor and we had to reset it to make sure that the anchor was sure. Uh, some of you today need to check your anchors. You need to check where you are. You need to, to feel where, where is the, where's the rub right now? What, what are you missing? Why are you so unsteady? Why are you so unstable? What is missing in your life? And pay attention to do what it is that God shows you as you check your anchors that were meant to keep you steady in the midst of the storm. They dropped their anchors. They were faithful to do what needed to be done. But there was another group that in the midst of their fears were not faithful. And we read, it says, as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under the pretense of laying out anchors from the bow. Okay, get the picture here. If you were with us, uh, the idea is that there was a boat that was being trailed behind the big ship. And in fact, they had gone, it says in verse 16, that they had uh, with much difficulty secured this boat. And they had held on to it as it was filling with water. It's a little like lifeboat, okay, a little rowboat. What's the purpose of it? In case something happens to the big ship, I always have that to fall back on. And of course, it makes sense. Before the word of God comes, of course, it only made logical sense. We need to hold on to that lifeboat because we don't know what's going on here. Logic and common sense are our driving forces before we hear the word of God. Of course, we don't walk in dangerous neighborhoods. Uh, of course, we save all that we can for the future. Uh, of course, we don't move far from family across oceans where we'll be all alone. We stay close to home because logic and common sense are our drivers. After the word of God comes and after the word of God says, we are going in this direction. What is foolish actually changes if we have faith. Because what we believe that there is an almighty God who wants to provide, that has a plan for us. And so to turn back to this little lifeboat, that is foolish. And instead, we need to set our eyes on what God has planned and say, whatever it comes, God, we are trusting you. You see, that is faith. But these sailors, they went back to what they knew. It was kind of like they're, they're just in case. Just in case, they would, they would hold on to the rope. Uh, just in case, they would hold on to the boat. In case, they, in case this plan didn't go through. And you notice what it says, it says that some of them, under pretense of dropping out anchor, get the picture here, they're walking to the front of the boat, yeah, we're dropping out anchors. Under pretense, they were trying to escape from the plan that God had from them. And if you get this, we do this sometimes, where we'll say, yeah, we're, we're following God's plan. We want God's plan for our family. I want to love my kids, and so I'll sign them up for every single activity that fills our schedule beyond control because I want to love my family. And we don't have time for discovery group. We don't have time for serving. We don't even have time for reading the Bible with them because we want to love our family so much. Maybe it's under pretense. Or maybe when we tell somebody, when they come up to us and they're hurting and we say, you know what, I'll pray for you sometime this week. Maybe it's because 
the pretense is actually that we're too busy to sit and to listen. And so kind of spiritually, we throw out this pretense of, you know, I'll pray for you this week, and we never get to it. Or maybe when there's work to be done and there's serving to be had, under pretense, we say, you know, I'll need to pray about that, rather than just saying, let's pray about God is moving in this way, and he wants you to be part of it. What are the things that maybe we do under a little bit of pretense when really we're just kind of holding on to our own way and what we want? Notice what Paul says here. He says, he goes to the centurions. He goes to the, the soldiers, and, which is interesting. He doesn't go to the sailors. Sailors are trying to, to jump ship, but he goes to the, the soldiers, the ones that are keeping order on the boat the ones that have the weapons, the ones that keep going. And he goes to them and he says this. He says, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. Because if all the sailors are jumping ship, there, there's nobody left to, to stay at the sails, to keep things moving forward. So we're all lost. And this is the reality of God's plan. See, I could sit here and say, you know what? If you decide to go your own way rather than God's way, you know what? It's gonna actually cost you a lot more then you want to pay. But the reality is, it's not just you that suffers. It is all of God's people. It is all of God's work. It is those people that he wants to hear the gospel out there because we cling selfishly to our plan. God's plan is hindered. Now, I, I get it theologically. I understand nothing can hinder God's plan, but understand this. God reached out to us and then involved us in his plan. And he said, I'm not holding back. I'm going all in on you. I'm giving my son. I'm reaching out to you in a way that you will be drawn to me. Be drawn to me. And then realize that the things that you're holding on to are empty. They're holding you back. We want to go here. And you're stuck here. We want to go there. And you're holding on to this false hope. What's that little boat going to do in the midst of the storm? Don't you see what you're holding on to? It's just holding you back. It's only offering false hope. And the reality is, unless we cut the ropes, there will be much loss of life. Much loss of life. You will lose the life that Christ has for you because you wanted to cling to what was here rather than go into what he had for you. There will be much loss of life that could happen out there because the church is not built up. I, I love the things that we talk about as a church. We talk about unity. We talk about community. We talk about authenticity. We talk about forgiveness. We talk about mission. But you want to know the reality? We will only be the, the church that we desire to be if we don't cling to the things that we think keep us safe. And if we're willing to go where God is calling us and let go of what we were once holding on to, only then will you get the life that God has for you. Only then will we see. Because when we cling to our own selfishness, well, there's no unity in the church. When we cling to protecting ourselves, there is no authenticity in our groups. When we are so focused on our own purposes in this world, there is no advance of the gospel. There is no city reached. There is no love that is shared around the world. There is no world change. 
And so we need to consider what plan God has for you and what he has shown you in Christ. And this morning, as it says here, that the soldiers went and they cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and they let it go. What is it that God is calling you to cut away in your life that is holding you back from the plan that he has for you? The deeper experience of him, the deeper impact that you could have. I mean, maybe you've been coming to church for a while. And you've been hearing, you've been hearing, but it's that last step. You, you want to believe, but you know what? You need to make sure all the questions are right in your mind. So you hold on just a little bit. I need to keep this going. You'll never get there if you're stuck here. Maybe it's that you've been thinking week after week as we uh, invite people to come for prayer. And you think, but what will the person next to me think? And so we don't go. We don't receive prayer and receive from God what he has for us in prayer. Maybe you've been thinking like when we sing these songs, we actually want to raise our hands in worship. But, but what are the people around us going to think? So today could be the day where you cut it away and let it go and pursue what God has for you. Maybe it's the relationship that God has been laying on you that you need to drop that is holding you back. Maybe it's the relationship that you need to begin. Maybe it's a step of reconciliation. Maybe God's been laying on you to, to go out on mission, but you've been afraid, and today you'll cut away that fear and trust that he wants to lead you. Maybe as we've been talking about Haiti, you think that, hey, I would love to go sometime, but there's a long list of reasons why you do not. Well, today is the day to cut it away. What is it that God is calling you to do? In and of our own power, we can't do it. You see, what we often tend to do is to take one of these little plastic butter knives, and we do a little bit like this. In our own trying power, we do this. And it doesn't get us very far at all. We're still stuck. What the gospel is for us is a sharp-edged knife. Anytime you're trying to do it in your own power, you know what? You'll still cling to that last bit of hope that you have, the fears that will keep you from going. But when you allow the reality of the gospel that God so loved the world, that he gave his son, that whoever will believe in him will not perish but have eternal life that begins now. We can truly drop those ropes and we can let the sharp edge of the gospel penetrate deeply where we need healing, my friends, that God wants to bring us into a place of healing, but we need to let go of our pride. He wants to lead us into whole relationships, but we need to let go and cut away those bitterness and resentments that are in our heart in order to receive from him. For those of us who want hope of eternity, we need to let go of that. We need to allow the truth of his gospel to penetrate deeply into our hearts. So today, as we respond to the reality that God loves us, that he has a plan that is better than anything that you can hold on to, we're gonna respond a little bit differently. Usually we come and we take communion at the tables, we take the Lord's Supper. We're not going to do that today. Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to come to the tables when you're ready, and you'll find a little piece of rope here. Part of it has a weight on the end that symbolizes that boat that you're holding onto. There's some scissors there. And when you come to the table, whatever it is that God is laying for you to cut away, whatever he's calling for you to let go, Cut that end off 
put it in the basket that's at the table and walk away into God's plan that he has for your life. Take that other piece of rope, hold on to it as a reminder that God is not done with you yet, that God has a purpose and a plan that is better than anything that you are hanging on to. Lord God, I pray that you would come and that you would do a work that only you can do in our hearts and in our lives. Jesus, we admit that we are afraid of what the uncertain path ahead may hold. But what we do know is that when we see you, you are the one that we want to follow. You are the one that we can have hope in. You are the one that has only eternal, lasting joy. You are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. There's no way that we can go apart from you. Any other path leads to death. Your path, Jesus, leads to life. And so we are here today, Jesus, say, we want you. We want your plan. We're seeing you more clearly. We're wanting you more deeply. Jesus, come into our hearts, whatever it is that we're holding on to. I pray that by your spirit right now, you would just reveal to us what it is you would call us to cut away. Whether it's the relationship, whether it's the bitterness, whether it's the pain of the past that has caused us to not to trust in you today. Whatever the hurts, whatever the fears, would you come do your work right now? Wreck us, God. And then give us the new life that you have for us. In Jesus' name.